And we're back for a new season of the Circus Cross Pod. Welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Dan Hamer. And you can reach me on the social media channels on Twitter at SULAXPod and on my personal account at QS1987. You can also reach out to the show on gmail at sulaxpod at gmail.com with any show suggestions guests you want to see questions you may have um do the same on twitter if you're not following the show please follow the show for updates as always so today we're going to discuss maryland syracuse we're going to recap and then we're also going to touch on holy cross just a little bit because i want to go back some things that i saw some things that i liked from both of the games we're going to spend more time on maryland syracuse and then we're also going to touch on some things that syracuse can do tomorrow to help them get a victory over virginia so let's get right into it we'll go back to holy cross first uh the biggest thing i saw and the biggest thing i was impressed with is the defense last year against weaker teams defense seemed to struggle against a team like Holy Cross, who who granted has given up a lot of goals to a lot of opposing teams, but the defense stepped up, and I saw a change right away. And part of that change is in the new defense coordinator, Dave Petromala, so a great debut for him as the D.C. And then also something I noticed, Bobby Gavin, transfer out of UVA. Huge game, huge. And... uh after talking to a lot of the the Syracuse fans, there was a lot more optimism I, I've uh, seen on this team, even after Holy Cross, than what we first thought at the beginning of the year. You know, didn't know who was going to be in cage, and then Bobby Gavin transfers to Syracuse. Didn't know how the defense was going to handle all the departures. Didn't know how guys like Kennedy were going to handle down low. I mean, look, he stepped up all game. I mean, the, to be frank, Syracuse dominated the whole game, but a lot of that, the tone was set on defense and the offense transition. So, I mean, it was it was a lopsided score, obviously, so there's not really much takeaway in that. So that's why I want to touch on Maryland-Syracuse because, look, number one versus number whatever you want to call it, the, the polls don't matter right now. It's a top-ranked game. Top 10, number one versus number six, I believe it was, when the game happened. So, look, Maryland's a dominant team, let's be honest. Solid team. Uh, a lot better than people thought coming in. I can tell you that compliments were thrown left and right by a lot of Syracuse fans, including myself. They were dominant for the first quarter. They, were, they went up 4-0 in the first quarter, So and then... As I looked at a couple fans, I said, we just need one. Just get us one. Get us on the board. And, you know, we did that. So we were able to make it close against Maryland. Dominated the second quarter. Won 6-3. Tied in the tied in the third. Two goals apiece. And then Maryland won the fourth quarter. So the final tally was 14-10. to But look... I've never had so much optimism in a loss to a team as I did after this game. As I said about Holy Cross, the fact that 
the defense was able to come and shut Maryland down for a little bit. Let's be honest, Bobby Gavin kept him in the game for a while. I mean, the short stick defenders played a fantastic game. Guys like Avilas, guys like Dami, they're they're guys that stepped up last year, but they took a whole another step forward. And then look, the the offense carried by Tucker and then also Lucas Quinn, they held their own against Maryland defense. Kept Syracuse in the game. You know, a couple of miscues here or there. That's a discussion for another day because they seem to come out flat. This is a team that seems to come out flat anytime there's something that's being honored, and it's kind of frustrating. And on a day where your head coach jersey gets tossed in the rafters, you come out flat right away. And that's not a discredit to Maryland in any sense. It's just the way that Syracuse seems to play, and I'll never understand it as a fan, as a former player, how you can come out that flat and almost sleepwalk in a sense. Like I said, that's not a discredit to Maryland because Maryland played a great game. But there were some um, untimely mistakes. That's the easiest way to say it for Syracuse. So all the credit to Maryland. Syracuse made mistakes. Obviously, Maryland did as well, and we're going to go back and forth. But look... The optimism came from the offense, came from the defense, came from the faceoffs. Because look, Fob won, I believe it was 15 out of 28 faceoffs. When was the last time you could say a Syracuse team won over just about close to 50% and still lost? It's rare. Look, look, this Syracuse, the faceoff guys dominated. You got to every ground ball, even though the ground balls were tied 32 apiece, but they got to everyone, you know. Gave the offense a bunch of chances. That's where I think the optimism is, because if you can do that against a team like Maryland, and look, Syracuse schedule is extremely tough, and we can touch on that another day, but if you can do that against a team like Maryland, you can beat a lot of people if you're winning over 50%. That's the key. You just got to... At some point on offense, you got to get production from guys, from more than two guys, realistically. Because, look, eight out of the ten goals were scored by two guys. Tucker Dordovic and Lucas Quinn carried the offense, point blank. I mean, you had guys with a couple assists. You had Cordes with an assist. Tucker had an assist. Curry had an assist. Griffin Cook had an assist. Mikey Berkman had a goal and an assist. But look at the stat lines for a guy like Tucker Dordovic. He had five and one, five goals, one assist. Half of your goals are scored by one player. And I know that the game is dominant by one player, but look at the team aspect coming from Maryland. You got Logan Wisanowskis. He had four goals. Jonathan Donville had three. And Anthony DeMeo had two. And then Kyle Long looks like had one. And also Daniel Maltz had one. I mean, you can go down the list of Maryland. That's not all the guys. But look at that's Seven out of their 14 were scored by two guys. But look at how many other guys scored the goal for them. Look at how many guys got on the assist column. I mean... There's a bunch. So that's that's the thing. They had eight assists on 14 goals. Syracuse had five. 
Maryland played more of the team game, and uh, it showed the whole game, to be honest. You know, they, they possessed it when they needed to. They played the slow game when they needed to. I mean, they, they stepped up on defense when they needed to, too, and their goalie played on his head whole game. He had 12 saves, and to be honest, it looked like he had more because it seemed like every time Syracuse took a shot, Logan McEnany was on his knees or on his head making a save. So, I mean, all the credit to Maryland, but let's let's talk about Syracuse because this is a Syracuse podcast, obviously. Bobby Gavin, great game. Kept Syracuse in it the whole time. Had 11 saves on uh, 25 shots. Great number. You know, close to 50%. Once again, that that's – but he takes a loss with that. I mean, look – he showed what he can do, Syracuse fans. So I'm excited for the time coming, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Once again, we talked about it. Jake Fopp took all the faceoffs, won 15 out of 28. Pretty dominant game, like I said. Just over 50%. Also had 12 ground balls, so essentially he won a lot of those faceoffs by himself. I'm not. That's not to discredit the Syracuse wings, but... He was quick off the go, you know. He, boom, quick, quick rake, and then he got the ball and he got the ball. The offense, so he gave Syracuse a lot of chances. That, I mean, let's face it, a lot of their teams wouldn't get that chance during that game. I mean, Maryland also Maryland won thirteen out of twenty-seven, thirteen out of twenty-eight. Excuse me. So they were just at about fifty percent. So that's a great game from the face-off standpoint. So if you're Syracuse, you won the faceoffs when you when you had the dominant quarters. So look at the dominant quarters for Syracuse. Scored six goals in the second. Won seven faceoffs. Scored two goals in the two goals in the third. Won three faceoffs. And then you look at when Maryland won the faceoffs, they won the faceoffs in the third. They won the faceoffs three to two in the first. I mean, excuse me, they scored four goals. Syracuse scored nothing. When it came down to it in the fourth quarter, Maryland won their faceoffs 5-3. to three. Look at the tally in the fourth quarter. Maryland won the score 5-2. to two. That's not a discredit to Fob, but those are the times when you really need the ball when you're down, you know, when you're within four. And that's not to say that he didn't win those faceoffs, but look, I mean, you, he's carrying them on his back at that point. Fop, I mean. And uh, it's all on him. In years past, we've had different face-off guys. This year, so far, it seems to be that Fop is going to take 95% of the face-offs. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, you've got a guy like Jack Savage who could possibly step up. A couple other guys, but... I mean, those those are the two main guys that you're looking at for face-offs this year. It looks like it's going to be Savage and Fop, with Fop taking a majority. So look for that for the rest of the year. I mean, the Syracuse offense kind of clicked for the most part. Like I said, they seemed to hit their rhythm in the second quarter. But, you know, they, they had some faults. There was a couple times that I remember that they threw the ball out of bounds. And uh, it's kind of frustrating as a fan 
to have all the momentum. You know, you're down seven, six and a half, so you come out scoring, and then then you throw the ball out of bounds when you have all the momentum. And uh, it's it's frustrating as a fan to watch that happen, wishing that you could do something, wishing there was something you could change. But look, this team will get better because of it. And uh, this is a team I can't wait to see what we do the rest of the year because to be frank and to be blunt and to a lot of the things that I've said about this team in the past, they probably lose by seven goals to this Maryland team. I know they lost by four, but they probably lose by more. And that's not to say that the players weren't good or anything like that. It's just the coaching was better, and I hate to call out, um, hate to talk about past coaches, but the coaching had the the coaches had a great game plan coming into this game for Syracuse. You know, Coach Gate had them running when they needed to, but they played the possession game because they knew what kind of team they were going up against. So you got to play the possession game in that sense. So, I mean, we're going, we're going to see that change tomorrow though. Look, let's be honest. You're going up against a team like Virginia who runs and guns. You're going to have to run and gun as well. You can't just play the, Oh, I'm going to take the shot clock down to 20 seconds, every possession. Cause it's not going to work against Virginia. Cause they'll get the ball. They'll strip the ball. They'll go to the other end and they'll score. They'll score within 10 seconds. I mean, yes, you have to wind the shot clock down, but you have to do it running your offense. You can't just play uh, keep away for a little bit and then expect that you're going to get a great shot at the end. Saw that a couple times, too, in the Maryland game. You know, the shot clock would get down to five, and Syracuse would be behind the goal with and they and they got lucky a couple times. Let's be honest about that too. They got lucky with a late shot clock goal. I mean, it was great, but at the same time, that doesn't happen as often as we want it to. So it's kind of it's kind of a fluke in a way. It's not a fluke. That's not the right way to say it. But it the luck went the way of Syracuse on a couple of those goals. That's how I'll say it. Um. You know, it's tough to say what this team is going to be the rest of the year because, look, the expectations went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know, new coaching staff, except for Pat March. Everybody else is brand new. And... For the first time that I can remember, the expect change, expectation changed from championship weekend to making the NCAA tournament. And I've never heard those words come out as a Syracuse lacrosse fan, and it's weird to say that. But on the plus side, that was, that was at the beginning of the year. Now, through two games, like I said before, Holy Cross, I think uh, a lot of Syracuse fans expected that we would blow out Holy Cross, to be frank. You know, first day on Gary's offense, seeing how they would handle it, seeing how, you know, what would happen. But you get a team like, 
uh, you get you get a chance to face the number one team in your house. Like that's a uh, that's a game where you where it says a lot about your team after it. And look, as frustrating frustrating as it was, like I said, to see Syracuse lose. That's the most positive I've come out after a loss. You know, it wasn't one of those ones where it came down to the last goal and you lose. But you sit there and you look at the missed opportunities and you say, all right, we correct a couple drop passes here. We try and correct a couple miscues on offense, a little miscommunication on defense. That's a couple things versus last year and the past couple years where those three things weren't only three things. They were 15 things. They were somebody was getting open on uh, on the opposing team's offense, and nobody on defense communicated. And that's not a discredit to the coaching staff; it's just the way it worked out. But maybe it was time for a change, and you know, we'll see how we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But so far, positive grades for everybody. I mean, the defense look. Like I said during the game to people, I, I'd probably give them an A, honestly. You hold Maryland to 14 goals, you give your team a chance. Maryland's a team that's going to put up 22 or 23 goals a game. It's just the way it works out. Like Your offense gives you a chance, and or your defense gives you a chance, excuse me, and, and you don't take advantage of it a lot. On the offensive side for the Maryland game, I'd probably give them a B. But, frankly, for two players, because, look, Gary Gates' offense is more of an ISO offense. I get that. But you still have to get production from more than two guys. Just the way it comes down. In a a tough league like the ACC, you're going to need a guy like Curry to get three or four goals. I mean, look, Seabold got shut out. That's a, that's a credit to Maryland, but at the same time, he's got to get points when it comes down to it. I mean, there's a couple guys that you're going to need points from. Jake Buttermore played in his first game. You're going to need some points for him at some point. Obviously, Curry. And, uh, you know, you're just going to need points from some guys that aren't that we didn't name. That's the tough part about this team. It's tough to see where the second line goes because you've got a guy like Griffin Cook on the line, and then, I mean, you could throw whoever you want in there. I think by the end of the year, Buttermore will be up on the first line, and then maybe you'll have Mikey Berkman on the second line, but they're going to need some production out of the seconds because the first can't do it all, and that's been the problem with this team in years past. A lot of production from the first. First produced 95% of their goals, let's just say, between them and the attack. And then when you get to your second line, it seemed like there's a lull in the game or the game stops. And that's kind of frustrating as a fan. But I digress. The other great thing about Saturday, or Sunday, I mean, was the fact that the game was so well attended. It looks like I have the numbers in front of me. Just about 7,000 people. I'll be honest, I thought there was more. And I put out a tweet about 
Syracuse fans attending the game and bravo Syracuse fans bravo that is what I want to see every game though I'd love to see 7,000 people in the dome every game if not more because look the the lacrosse is is a huge community right so you've got so many people in this area that know how to play lacrosse watch lacrosse Pack the dome. Like, just get people there. You've got people that travel from hours away to come to the dome every game. And uh, it's kind of frustrating as a fan knowing that there's so many people in Syracuse that don't go to the dome. And look, tickets are cheap. Just to be frank, tickets are cheap. I think they were. I, I mean, I know they were more expensive for this game, but look. They're $5 a pop, something like that. That's cheaper than going to any Syracuse football or basketball game. So it's kind of, you know, got to grow the, not even grow the game because a lot of people in this area know, know about the game. It's more of packing the dome and making it a loud house again. I mean, the energy from the crowd was beautiful. Why can't that be every game? We'll just leave we'll leave it at that about the fans, but like I said, seven thousand people is a great number. I want more. And that's the selfish fan in me. But I digress. Let's talk about Gary's retirement for a little bit. Gary Gates Jersey retirement, because there was a lot of confusion coming up to this weekend. Was the twenty two gonna be retired? What are they gonna do with it? Um, to be honest, I've never been happier to see a player's jersey get retired, but that was, it was a great thing to see as a lacrosse fan. Uh, I unfortunately missed the ceremony, but I was able to see a video of it. So it was great to have people sending out the video, showing them honoring one of the greatest players to play lacrosse ever. I'm not saying that just because he's a Syracuse guy. Look, he revolutionized the air gate. He made rule changes just by the way he played. That's how you know he's a great player. Every great player has forced a rule change. He was in the early stages of it, but he forced the crease... And, you know, jumping in the crease and all that stuff. So that's a great thing to have. And I'm so glad that a bunch of people were in the dome to witness it. And a bunch of people were in the dome that weren't in the dome were able to see a video of it. Because it's a great thing. Now, the other thing that happened. There's two other things that happened. The second thing that happened that was phenomenal was the semi ring of honor. Which, as a as a lifelong Syracuse lacrosse fan, I can't tell you how great that was. Watching the Syracuse team walk off at halftime and basically form a line so Simi could come out on the cart. All the former players that spoke up about him. You know, a video of him basically thanking the fans, thanking everybody at the university. It was just phenomenal as a whole. And I'm so glad that now he is honored because 
as a lacrosse fan and as a Syracuse fan, he's one of the greatest coaches ever. And it's not even close. That is a guy that continued the tradition of excellence at Syracuse and passed it on to the coaches that were in the past regime. Hey, I mean, it honestly brought tears to my eyes to see that honor happening. And I'm so happy that we were able to witness it when he was still when he was still alive and well. I'll just say it that way, and I'm not saying that in a bad way towards him. I know he's got good health, but I'm so glad that he was able to be there for it. And I'm so glad that people stayed and stood up and clapped for him because that was a great thing to see. Um, and then, look, the other good thing about Syracuse is they also retired Katie Rowan's jersey. Great thing for the women's game. So a new concept, if you're going to have these bigger games for the men and the women, should be to do these doubleheaders again. I know it's tough logistically, but you had a lot of fans that attended the men's game, stayed for the women's game, and it probably would have been vice versa. That's the thing that I want people to understand is it doesn't matter who plays first in these. Look, we need to come out as fans and support them no matter what. I know as a men's fan, it gets frustrating seeing the lack of fans, so... I'm not trying to make a joke out of this, but I can only understand how the women's team feels. I know they get a good amount of fans, but they look and they see 7,000 in the dome and then they maybe see, I, I don't even know the number, but it's just the point. And like I said in the tweet, it's so easy on these doubleheader games. You know, you attend both and they make it easy because they give you one ticket for both games. So you attend both. And then you can support both programs. What's what could be better on on a Sunday than watching two of the great programs in college men's and women's lacrosse for the price of one? That's just the bottom line. But I digress. Some things that I want to see, and we'll finish up with this. Some things that I want to see change between Maryland and the Virginia games. Look, I mean, the obvious is the offense. I mean, like I said before, I I, I think I'm going to harp on this point the rest of the year, to be honest, but you're going to need production from guys besides Tucker Dordovic and Lucas Quinn. You know, can a guy like Brennan Curry step up? Yes. Will he step up? Hopefully, because you're going to need some production from him at some point. Like I said, he had one one point against Maryland, and that's not going to get it done, unfortunately. Um, then you're going to need guys like an ONC ball to step up. You know, Max Rosa, Pierre Fiorini, Tyler Cordes, Buttermore. You're going to need guys like that to step up against the Virginia team. So. Let's see what the offense does against a Virginia team that's just as good defensively as Maryland. Let's see what they do. Like That's the biggest thing that I want to see change. I mean, the defense, 
I think I want to see consistency, and that's, like I said, that's tough to say because it's a new regime and things change communication-wise, but I just want to see how they do on back-to-back games. Like, if the communication's still there, everybody's playing hard, everybody's communicating, that's the biggest thing. If that happens and we get the same... Not the same result, obviously, because I want to see Syracuse win. But if we see a one-goal loss or a one-goal win, to be frank, I'll feel I'll still feel great because if they can keep Syracuse in the game defensively, that's a big thing going forward for the for this team. I mean. To be blunt, that's what they need. Not that the offense can't carry the team because that's what's happened in years past. But look, the defense needs to hold their own weight. And so far through two games, they have. I look for Bobby Gavin to go into UVA, a place where he called home, and hopefully show out and play his best game and show Lars Tiffany that he should have went with him for the starting job. Once again, not a shot at anybody at UVA. I'm glad that you gave us Bobby Gavin because he has stepped up tremendously and and helped this program. So, look, my final prediction for this, I told somebody privately, and him and I will talk about this at some point, I said Syracuse would lose by two to Maryland. I was off by two. So I'm going to try and redeem myself this weekend. I'll just go. I'll go the same score as Maryland-Syracuse, but I'll flip up. Actually, never mind. No, no, no. Because I think it's going to be a running gun on offense. So I like Syracuse winning the game. I'll go... I'll go 14-12, Syracuse. That's my prediction. I hope I'm right. And it, to be honest, I don't care about the score as long as we win. Right? I just hope I'm right. I hope I'm close in the numbers. And look, in years past, we would have seen the offense slow down in the fourth quarter, but I think we'll see the offense go back and forth the whole game. And it's going to be a back and forth. I have a feeling the score is going to be higher than I say it is, but I guess it's one of those things where we'll see. And like I said, hopefully I'm wrong about the total number of goals. Hopefully Syracuse puts up a ton and then puts on a show and all that. I just think it's going to be a shootout, and I give credit to both goalies in this sense. They're both going to put on a show. So, I mean, that's... That's it. So we'll see what team shows up tomorrow. Like I said, in years past for Syracuse, inconsistency, that was the biggest takeaway from a lot of the games. You know, we'll see if we get the same effort for Syracuse tomorrow. Hopefully we do. And hopefully we'll be back here in a couple days discussing a Syracuse win. So, as always, let's go Orange. Let's go for a big win tomorrow, boys.